This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say Chris Farrell's here. Who's that? I'm Willie Nelson. Also joining us is the real Chris Farrell. It's SP. Wait a minute. Did he say Willie Denelson or Willie D. Nelson? I heard Willie Denelson. It's Willie Denelson. It's Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. It's a Willie Nelson. So Willie Nelson. Then Nelson has been Willied. Sure. Why not? You know that Willie, some people call something that, hey? What? Mm. You can figure out the rest, Chris Farrell. What? I'm confused. I am too. When did this Uh, turn into Toilet Talk, the podcast? I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about cars. Some people call their car Willie. Everybody gives their car a name. I just assumed it was Toilet Talk. I'll be honest here. I had no real reasoning. Just an assumption. We can do Toilet Talk with space, but I haven't selected that news story this week. What I would like to talk to about, because the three of us actually coordinated kind of shirt shades and colors without talking to each other this week. I'm going to pop my collar like I did last time because I look super DBE and I really liked it. And Chris apparently is not a pop collar guy. Support gravity. Don't pop the collar. There we go. If you would like to pop your collar, you can get in touch with us through any of the ways. It's at the Chris Farrell on Twitter. You can email Chris at gunnageek.com. Or head on over to Facebook.com and find Chris and send him a message. Let's go ahead and move on to the news. Let's start off with some SP news, because SP told me that he wanted to talk about NASA making a selection of some form. What did they select? They selected a new head of its Human Exploration and Operations Mission Directorate, affectionately known within NASA as HEO. That's H-E-O, Human Exploration and Operations. And it was Kathy Luters who is nodded and tapped to be the lead. Luters is a longtime NASA employee who since 2014 has led the agency's commercial crew program, which has been encouraging the development of private crew carrying spacecraft. The NASA administrator Jim Brindensen said in a statement on June 12th, 2020, that, quote, Kathy gives us the extraordinary experience and passion we need to continue to move forward with Artemis and our goal of landing the first woman and the next man on the womb moon by 2024, unquote. Kathy's goals will include establishing a sustainable long-term human presence on and around the moon by 2028, getting NASA astronauts to Mars in the 2030s, and helping to incubate a thriving off-Earth economy. Now, Luders has worked for NASA since 1992 when she became the Shuttle Orbital Maneuvering System and Reaction Control Systems Depot Manager at the White Sands Test Facility in New Mexico. She then moved on to the agency's ISS program, or International Space Station, serving as Transportation Integration Manager. In this post, Luders fed Luders led commercial cargo services to the ISS, which began in 2012. I'm really stoked about this pick. Kathy has been nothing but pretty stalwart and successful over the past eight years with the ISS on forward and before that with the space shuttle. I am really looking forward to how she can bring leadership and keep things on track in terms of timelines and be able to expedite the first people from the United States back to the moon by 2024 and then to Mars after that. This is going to be really cool, guys. And how do I get my ticket? You can go to Elon Musk, and he is probably selling tickets for the Starship, which is headed to the moon. So you can talk to him. Oh, sorry. You said I go to Home Depot. Is that what you said? I heard the word Depot in there. No, no. 
No, that's that was, Office Depot, Stephen. I thought Office Depot was bankrupt. Are you saying that NASA went bankrupt? Whoa, Chris, holy cow. NASA as a public entity cannot go bankrupt because they are inherently non-for-profit and have to have a zero balance every year. Listen to him, you will. Where's my right bell? There. The more right you know. Listen to him. <laughs> the more uh, so you know. What sort of impact does this have, SP? Tell me a little bit about what the impact is of this. The impact is pretty cool. First of all, it's a woman that's leading all of human exploration for NASA. And second of all, it is a person that is going to be in the seat for a while. She has a historied career so far with NASA. The previous HEO director left after only a year and there was no reason given for the departure other than a resignation, at least publicly. So this will install a lot of confidence back into the HEO directorate. And this is at a time where things are moving really fast. Things have not moved this fast since like Apollo and Skylab and the beginning of the shuttle program. So you're talking like 40 years in the past that things have run this fast. And she is really going to be ramping up to use a variety of different crewed vehicles to go into Leo and beyond. It's an exciting time and she's going to be the one that's directing all of it. So you said that things have not moved this fast since Skynet. Is that what you said? No, Steven. No, no. Skylab. Skylab. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Moving on to the next news point here, uh, let's talk about Star Wars. We got some bad Star Wars news for you. Yes, it's official. Star Wars Celebration has been officially canceled today. It was posted on StarWars.com to our Star Wars Celebration fans and friends. Uh, Star Wars Celebration celebration the health and safety of our fans attendees exhibitors guests and staff is always our number one priority due to the global impact of the COVID-19 virus and in speaking with local and state authorities on the latest public health guidelines related to indoor conventions we have made the decision to cancel Star Wars celebration for 2020 while this news is disappointing we are happy to announce Star Wars Celebration will return to Anaheim Convention Center on August 18th through 21st of 2022. Tickets and tickets transfers and refunds. Fans who are planning to attend Star Wars Celebration Anaheim this year may either transfer their current ticket purchase to new event dates, receive a refund, or receive a credit for Star Wars Celebration merchandise as a token of our appreciation and to thank all Star Wars Celebration 2020 fans who chose to transfer their tickets to 2022 show. We are excited to offer a free exclusive Star Wars Celebration Stormtrooper character pin for all transferred tickets, end quote. So where, where did 2021 go? What happened? Kent in the chat just yeah. brought up D23 is in 2021. And that might be a reason why they're skipping 2021 and going to 2022. Also, uh, Disney and Star Wars could be banking on the uncertainty lasting a little bit longer and they don't want to lose any more money going into the next celebration. That or they know the well fans be. are PO'd and they just want to let it sit for a little bit. Star Wars fandom is pretty broken right now, guys. That was another thing that I was going to bring yeah. up is the fact that after episode nine, you had the brief flash in the pan Mandalorian. You haven't had anything really that big for the fandom to rally around other than the Mandalorian. So does the Mandalorian alone judge a or um, uh, value a celebration i don't think so well if you believe the rumors they're supposedly going to be announcing at least two more series whether they're animated or live action we haven't figured out yet but supposedly one of them is the rebels sequel if you believe what the rumors are really? and I imagine that is something that would be of interest now the real question is is it live action or is it animated because remember they made a big deal of uh, rosario dawson although it's not officially been confirmed everyone's still saying it's happening is ahsoka tano in mandalorian season two and they're arguing that could be used to set up the Rebels spinoff with a live action 
Ahsoka, live action Captain Rex, because Tamura Morrison's appearing in Mandalorian also as Boba Fett. He could presumably also be Captain Rex. And then they've been rumors of them trying to cast someone who would look like Ezra Bridger. So there are rumors floating that there's a Rebels live action sequel coming. Do I believe it? I want to, but who knows? I have more faith in the television side of the house for Star Wars right now than I do the movie side of the house. And these are all things, though, that they can announce at D23 just as easily. And then they've also got some distraction there if other things are going on. Because remember, D23 is everything Disney. That's where they do all the Marvel stuff also. That's where they do the theme park stuff. That's where they do the Disney Studios stuff. There's a lot they can do there. And that further reinforces their brand. Also, I have a bit of a thought here as far as what they are probably deciding in regard to D23 versus Star Wars Celebration. Everything's canceled this summer and they probably recognize how much is going to be next summer. There's going to be so many other things happening, right? Like there's, yeah. everybody's going to be fighting for your money next year. At this rate, we're not going to get Black Widow till next summer. It's starting to look like. Yeah, so I, I think they're smart yet? not to stack their events. Nothing's been confirmed on when the movie's coming out, but it was supposed to be out in what, May? It, it was in uh, Wonder Woman also. I think both of those movies will probably come out at some point in time. I postulated this before on this show and on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It Unless they go to some sort of home release where they can count that box office and they can do it in a way where they can bilk people for multiple showings and that sort of thing, I think it is to their interest to push off big blockbusters like Wonder Woman with Warner Brothers and Black Widow with Marvel slash Disney to a time where everybody feels safe to go back to the theater because they want big records with those movies, with those big, huge blockbuster movies. They don't want to eh, 125 million like for the total showing. They don't first, want that. The first big thing we've got coming back to the theaters is uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet movie, which was supposed to be mid-July. I think they pushed it back two weeks. So it's like the end of July now, I believe, is Tenet coming out. And in replace of its original launch, they're putting out Inception again for another two weeks. But I don't know about you guys. I'm not going to the movie theater anytime soon. There's absolutely no reason to put me in a room with a bunch of people that aren't going to wear masks, that aren't necessarily going to observe social distancing. And God knows who's done what to my chair before I went in there. I'm not doing it. No, I agree. And, you know, I was thinking about this on the weekend, uh, actually, about movie theaters, because the rumors are heating up that, you know, they're starting... In Canada, certain movie theaters here and there. Um, aren't you so glad that Movie Pass went under before COVID? Because we know that they failed on their own and it had nothing to do with COVID. Isn't that there's some silver lining in that fact? Well, you could also say that if uh, the movie theaters were shut down, that would have given Movie Pass a time to rally and come up with some kind of way to try and fix themselves too. Because people aren't <laughs> going to be using their card to go to the movies because the movie theater has been closed since March. Fair enough. All right, well, if you are very sad about that Star Wars news, well, Chris is going to turn around and get y'all excited. I hope to, actually. And this is, there were screenshots that came out about this game a couple days ago, got people really excited. But to set this up, let me state some of my favorite PC games when I was a kid, the ones that my dad gave me that we used to play together as he taught me to play them, were some of the classic Star Wars flight sims like TIE Fighter, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, X-Wing Alliance, stuff like that. These were games where you got to fly in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon or an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter and go and go and have ship-to-ship -ship combat. It was glorious. It was one of my favorite things. And there has not been a fun Star Wars flight sim to come, to come out since, I want to say, 1998 or 2000. It's been quite a while since we've had a really good flight sim. Why do I mention that? Well, EA has announced a new game called Star Wars Squadrons. It is a first-person space combat game They'll have players flying the series' famous starfighters in head-to-head, single-player, and multiplayer battles. This is developed by Motive Montreal, who previously contributed to both Battlefront 2 and Anthem, and I believe they did the space combat in Battlefront 2. And they are promising you'll get to fly ships such as the Alliance X-Wing, A-Wing, Y-Wing, and U-Wing in the Imperial TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, TIE Bomber, and the TIE Reaper, which is not a ship I'm familiar with. Supposedly, this game will take place during the decline of the Empire after Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It will feature 5v5 five five 
multiplayer squadron dogfights, but also feature a single-player story mode. As you progress through the game, you'll be able to customize the two pilots you play in the story, one from the New Republic's Vanguard Squadron and another from the Titan Squadron of the Empire. While the story will feature original characters, there will also be cameos from other Star Wars characters throughout the game, according to the news release that came out. And in fact, if you paid attention during the trailer, you might have caught a glimpse of Harris Syndulla from Star Wars Rebels in the background of one of the uh, New Republic scenes. I did mention multiplayer is going to take the form of 5v5 battles. They did announce two modes, the first being fleet battles, which will task each team with destroying the opposing team's flagship, and another called dogfights, which will simply ask each team to destroy as many opponents as possible. So it has a short single-player campaign. It is supposed to be predominantly a multiplayer game where you're in squadrons of five. Here's where things get really cool. Multiplayer will be supported between players on Xbox One, PS4, and PC supporting crossplay. Meaning if your buddy has a PS4 and buys squadrons and you're on your PC or Xbox, you can play together and be on the same team. Even more interesting, squadrons will also be compatible with VR headsets on both PC and PlayStation 4. So if you have any one of the VR sets for the PC or PSVR, you'll be able to put the headset on, fly the ship, spin your head around, look at the sights and scenes around you. Pretty cool stuff. Star Wars Squadrons is set to be released on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. It'll be in the Steam Store, Origin Store, and Epic Game Stores on October 2nd for the price of $39.99. Now, EA has yet to announce whether it'll be offering a next-gen version of Squadrons for the upcoming PS5 or Xbox Series X this fall, but don't forget, if you get one of those next-gen consoles, they are supposed to be backwards compatible with all current-gen games, so you will still be able to play Star Wars Squadrons on your next-gen console if you get one this holiday season. But Flight Sim Game. I love Flight Sims. I'm totally in. I want to fly X-Wings and blow up TIE Fighters and get into multiplayer battles with my friends. It is going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. I do not like Electronic Arts a lot of the time, but damn, they sound like they finally might have gotten another Star Wars game that works because they have not been doing well with the Star Wars license. Okay, do you think that there might be a cameo from CC1010? Do you know who CC1010 is, is? Who is CC1010? CC1010 CC is uh, Commander Fox, and I just think that that'd be cool if there was a Star Fox in there. That's just what I think would be cool. Who? Are you talking? Are you trying to cross like <laughs> no, Star Fox as in Fox McCloud? I, I, I just had a look because I wanted to make the Star Fox joke, and I was pretty sure that somewhere along the way, you know, someone was going to be named Fox in Star Wars. So I Googled Star Wars Fox because let's be honest, Star Wars is very cliche. Uh, so I did see apparently there was a CC 10 10 named Fox was a clone trooper officer who served as the clone commander of Anyways, it was Clone Wars. Steven, he's dead. How would he show up in a game set post Return of the Jedi? Are you sure that they're not going to bring back random characters just for fan service? You're going to be able to pay for that to get that. That's going to happen. Well, I mean, they they did in Rise of Skywalker, but that's neither here nor there. It's going to happen. So, Chris, when can I fly the Viper Mark II in this game? Um, Never, because that exists in a different universe. Though there are people who have created flight sims where you could fly a Viper Mark II, I believe. And do okay. I get the uh, Enterprise C or D? Um, none, because the Enterprise doesn't exist. TARDIS? You get the Delta Flyer. Delta, oh, the Flyer. Delta Flyer, yeah. Or the mm. TARDIS? TARDIS? Sure, TARDIS you, you cool. can have a TARDIS. Perfect. Awesome. You heard it here first on the official kind of geek show. Chris says that there'll be a TARDIS. No, no. I said you can have a TARDIS. You need to figure out how to get it in the game. That's not up to me. Okay, all kidding aside, crossplay, so exciting. It's so nice to yes. see more of this happening. That needs to happen more and more. We've seen it with Fortnite and a few other things, but this should be the norm. It shouldn't be you're locked into your ecosystem because you decide to buy this console. Uh-huh. I wish we would have had crossplay with uh, Defiance back mm-hmm. in the day. I know it was an Xbox exclusive, but then they went out to PC. I wish they would have had it for that, and I wish they would have had it for Mass Effect too. Not yeah. Mass Effect 2, but Mass Effect in general. The Ma- multiplayer in Mass Effect 3 really, yeah, it's not essential to the story. I agree. So. Halo 2, I mean, I know, again, Halo is an Xbox It'll exclusive. It'll be called Dan Hell when Halo comes to PS4. <laughs> but think about how much mo- more money that they can make if they 
put out the game throughout cross-platform. Well, I mean, and if you go and look at some of the things that's been said, Phil Spencer, who's the head of the Xbox games division, has said his belief is you should be able to play a game across with everyone. It shouldn't matter what console you're on. And it has arguably been Sony that has dug their heels in the most because they had the competitive advantage. I understand why they would do that. They're outselling consoles two to one. Where is the competitive advantage? Where is why should they make it so that you can buy an Xbox but still play games with people on PlayStation other than that's how it should be. But there's no reason they have to do that. By the way, I cannot find an Xbox One X for sale right now. I'm not I would have to go to the secondary market and get it. Apparently, they were just on sale for like $2.99 last week. And then part of the reason. Well, there's none of it. Well, we're we're also getting close to holiday 2020. So that's probably part of it, too. (gasps) Speaking of holiday 2020, I just thought of something. I wonder if we're going to still get Amazon Prime Days this year. They pushed it to September, I think they said. Did they? That's Mm -hmm. always good. Always good to know when I'm going to be spending copious amounts of money on things that I don't need, but they have free prime shipping in their deals. Like when we told you to buy a stream deck last year when it was on sale during Amazon Prime Day. Multiple days. Still regret that decision. Uh, Regret the decision (laughs) of buying it, that is. Prime shipping is not anywhere close to actual prime shipping. And I'm not going to (laughs) blame Amazon, but... The two-day delivery standard that they were pushing forward to same-day or next-day delivery just before this all hit in, like, February, it, there, it is nowhere to be found. It's uh, random. It is on some things and other things. It's like, with your Prime shipping, it'll be here in two weeks. And you're like, what? How? <laughs> yeah, ours is getting a little bit better now. Um, last few things I have I've got have been within the week, but uh, and some of them two days later. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, moving on to the next news point here, USP told me that you are personally responsible for delaying certain space launches. And I would like you to tell the audience why you are personally responsible for these things. Because I go to the Cape and fly my drone around, so they have to (laughs) shut down the launch range for safety reasons. The Cape, like the awesome TV show. Six seasons in a movie. (laughs) Chris apparently loved it. Uh, No, I am not responsible for any of this, but there was a bunch of stories that came out last week about a couple of noted launch delays. So we're going to go through them. We're going to say why, and then we're going to say what the future holds for these two missions. In the span of just two days, two high-profile NASA science missions had their launches delayed. First, NASA delayed the Mars 2020 mission at least three days for the launch to July 20th. It was previously July 17th, 2020, due to a faulty crane used in the pre-launch assembly of the Atlas V rocket, which is carrying it up into orbit. So NASA Associate Administrator Steve Zerjek revealed the delay in a presentation to a joint meeting of the National Academy's Aeronautics and Space Engineering Board and Space Study Board on June 9th. This was a virtual event. The launch window on July 20th happens to be a two-hour window. It opens at 9.15 a.m. Eastern from Cape Canaveral, Florida. So you check your calendars. You see what you are doing on the morning of July 20th, which is a Monday morning, and you turn on your feeds because you're going to want to watch this go up. Now, additional launch windows for the Mars 2020 missions will extend until august 11th 2020 after that the next launch window is in 26 months in 2022 maybe that's why they delayed star wars celebration to then due to the positions of earth and mars as they orbit around the sun now atlas 5 is the same launch vehicle that carried the mars curiosity rover the new horizons probe and juno into space It's not as big as a Falcon Heavy, but it can still carry 20 tons up to low Earth orbit, which makes the Atlas V a strong, middle-of-the-pack, reliable, capable launch system. In comparison, the Falcon Heavy can carry roughly 60 tons to low Earth orbit. The Starship launch system by SpaceX is projected to be able to carry about 150 tons to LEO, and NASA's SLS system, which will be the backbone of the Artemis project, is scheduled to carry up to 130 tons to LEO and a standard Falcon 9 rocket. That's the standard SpaceX Falcon 9 that we've seen over and over again, including in the latest Crew Dragon launch, can carry just under 25 tons to LEO. 
So that's delay number one. It was announced on June 9th. On Wednesday, June 10th, the NASA Associate Administrator for Science, Thomas Zerbrucken, in a presentation to an online meeting of the Space Studies Boards of the National Academies, confirmed that the James Webb Space Telescope will miss its March 2021 launch date. The slip is due to slowed work on the project due to the coronavirus pandemic and NASA redirection of priorities, both to the Mars 2020 launch because of the launch window and SpaceX's Crew Dragon launch that occurred back on May 30th. Also, Zabrichin confirmed that the team had been had seen some positive coronavirus cases. NASA hasn't set a new launch date yet for Webb, although Zerberchen remains hopeful that James Webb will still launch sometime in 2021 on an Aaron 5 from the French Guiana. Once launched, James Webb will make its way out to the Sun-Earth Lagrange point number two, which is a gravitationally stable point in space about 930,000 miles or for Stephen, 1.5 million kilometers from the Earth. Um, okay, so James Webb telescope. This is getting very long here. This is this has been a long, long time. I feel like it was many, many years ago that we were talking like, yeah, it's going to be soon enough, soon enough. And uh, we were making jokes and making your intro all about the Hubble and hating the Hubble or something like that. And, and like, I swear the show will be ended before the James Webb telescope ever goes up. Well, when the show ends, that's up to you, Stephen, since you're the producer on the show. The (laughs) system has seen some significant delays over the years. However, as of right before the pandemic, they were on charge. They were on schedule to do a March 2021 launch date. It slipped largely because of the launch window for the Mars 2020 launch. They only have to August 11th to send that up. Otherwise, they have to wait two years, more than two years, 26 months. And they wanted to get that crewed space tug up to Leo. They wanted to be able to disinvest from Russian use of the Soyuz. So those were the two big things that NASA wanted to do this summer. And other things like the web took a back seat. Web will still make it up, but it doesn't have a dedicated launch window that it has to go up in. And nothing in NASA's road to the Mars or the moon depends on it. So those were the two key linchpins of things that just had to happen. So NASA put its focus on that rather than the web. So what I'm hearing here is the Hubble has gained sentience and is delaying the James Webb launch by screwing with things. If the Hubble is responsible for this pandemic, that thing should be fired upon and exploded by a nuclear weapon. Hubble's in charge. You can't fire nukes in space right now. There's a treaty, isn't there? <laughs> there is, but if it's in charge, if it's the cause of this pandemic, Hubble's coming down one way or the other. Oh, it's not the Hubble that's in charge. It's time traveler who came from the year 3000. I'm going to comment here that uh, I think that it makes total sense and that astronauts have needs. And if we have to focus on allowing a space tug, that's where we should place our focus. Uh, that's what SP said, space tug. What? <gasps> uh, moving on to the next news point here. What? You, Chris, come on. Come on. You, you know you heard it. I saw you smile. Uh, I mo- don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> next news point here. Kate Kane is not dead. Kate Kane is not who? dead, Chris Farrell. For those who? of you who didn't hear our last episode, we talked all about how the Batwoman television show is going through a main cast change. The main leading character, or actress, I should say, Ruby Rose, was announced to be leaving the series. And people had thought that uh, there would be just recasting that role, but no, they announced that they were going to be uh, replacing the character altogether, and we talked about that last week. Well, there's more news, and it came out that uh, apparently they are not going to kill off the character of Kate Kane within the show. Uh, Showrunner Caroline Dries on Wednesday made it clear that Ruby Rose's character would still be alive, but just be exiting this series. 
in addition to quote our uh, in addition to paying quote respect to everything that Ruby put into the Kate King character, she clarified that quote it also helps the audience because we're not asking them to address the elephant in the room by accepting a new face as the same person. End quote. What about the elephant in the room of WTF happened to Kate Kane to make her disappear in the off season? I know this is ridiculous. This is like, I think this is stacking up to be their, their, the, one of the biggest mistakes in Arrowverse in a long time. And that's saying a lot. There's been a lot of mistakes. I was going to say, really? The biggest? I think I it's going to be up there for sure. Even with the terrible season that was Legends of Tomorrow uh, this past year. I think this is looking horrible because they're sitting here trying to make an excuse about how the audience is, is going to be an elephant in the room. The audience is going to have troubles accepting that. No, 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 we're we're gonna have troubles accepting the fact that you built an entire season revolving a one around one specific character, not around an actress. You you did an entire show around one specific character, and you're removing the character. That's the trouble that we're gonna have. This is an audience of a comic book TV show that are generally used to crazy weird body swaps or different artists coming onto a book so their favorite character looks slightly different or things like that. It's comics. Characters' looks don't stay the same forever. You could totally just write it off like they did Iron Man 2 when Don Cheadle came in to be Terrence Howard and gives that throwaway line of, look, it's me. We're not going to talk about it. And just move on. Character that wasn't Iron They didn't recast Robert Downey Jr. I literally said it last week. Batman. Look at the movies. Batman. How many Batmans were there? Let me give you a better example because the Batman stories were not one connected no, story. No, they, they were. The, mo- the the 90s movies were. They were all connected. All of them were connected. No. The, uh, the Schumacher ones were connected and the and the Burton ones were and they tried to be like, "Oh, no, no, these exist in the same world." They didn't come on. No, they were but from they were supposed to be. That they were supposed to be a continuation. Right. And but, at least George Clooney and Van, Val Kilmer were because of, uh, what's the name? Chris O'Donnell. Yes, so. I just said the Schumacher ones were connected. Because but they were they, supposed to be connected the with, the, the with the Burton one. Okay, neither here nor there. <laughs> Let me give you the example of where comic fans have just kind of gone, oh, cool, that worked for a main character who's been in comic book movies up until today. Edward Norton to Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Norton had his own movie as the Incredible Hulk, was too difficult to work with, and they put Mark Ruffalo in there for the Avengers, and everyone went, huh, I think I like him more in the role. This can happen. It's comic book TV show fans. Yes, we nitpick stupid things, but they're going to be able to adjust to that. If it's, hmm, I get no Kate Kane, or I get a recast Kate Kane, I'm pretty sure they're going to go the recast route, most of them. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't understand. It sounds like they took this as a personal challenge to figure out, how do we get around the fact that our lead actress left after a year when she was on contract for more. And we've built this whole world up and a crossover up and a relationship between her and Supergirl to do world's finest. And now it's all out the window. This is just them doubling down and be like, we're smart enough. We can work our way through this. And I think it's going to crash and burn. And hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully a year from now we play this clip back and someone goes, ha Chris, you effed that up. You weren't right. And I'll go good. Yeah, I I agree. I I agree with everything that you said. And the other thing that I want to just toss in here right now is that I actually feel it's a bit of a cop out to leave her alive Um, because now you're having your audience accept the fact that we are dealing with. uh, And let's put aside the comic book history because people are going to be like, oh, you should have read the comics. Um, We have a TV show that revolved around the idea about some uh, about Bruce Wayne's cousin coming in and being like, Bruce Wayne left. I need to go and fix this. And now you have another character coming in being like, well, Bruce Wayne's cousin left. Kate Kane left. So let's just go ahead and uh, uh, come in here and, and move into the, the bat cave again. Like, it's just like so, so a couple evolutions of who's going through the bat cave. What is it? Season three. It'll be another person to just start renting out that bat cave. Like, I don't know. It, it it's just... on Airbnb. <laughs> Times are tough, man. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. So weird. And I just think that, that they should have just done the recasting. I am dedicated 
to only say positive things about the CW Arrowverse <laughs> on this show now. Can I remind so, you of something, SP? Yeah. I'm sure at some point your mother said, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So if you want to, if you want to be silent right now, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I do about <laughs> this event. Uh, I will say this. If those that are listening to the show don't know, you know, Chris and I used to do the Starling Tribune, which was uh, on Arrow. And we also carried Legends of Tomorrow. Since the season finales, I have taken all of these series off of my DVR series recordings. So from now on, I will only say positive things about the CW Arrowverse. Why? Why? <laughs> because other people might be enjoying them, and I don't want to detract from their, from their enjoyment. You're on a show where we talk about geek culture and things that are good and bad. So I okay, encourage well, you to speak your mind. If I had done a Star Wars podcast, I wouldn't be going after Kathleen Kennedy as much as I am because I'm <laughs> convinced that her poor leadership has led the IP to where it is today uh, with with the CW Arrowverse because I've done a podcast on it and because I know that there are people out there that love these shows. I'm just not I, I'm, I'm just going to be made. I'm, I'm going to do exactly what you said. <laughs> If I can't say anything positive, I'm not going to say anything at all. Don't worry. Chris and I will hold down the fort just fine. <laughs> I thought I thought you might. <laughs> and I well, want to remind everybody, I am still watching these shows. I'm still watching many of them. I have gotten many discussions slash debates with SP about different things. Uh, I, I have quite enjoyed this. And so... I feel I've earned I've earned the right as someone who I, I you know, I'm not going to say that because I think every person, whether they enjoy the show or not, has earned the right to comment whether or not they enjoy a show. I think that you're allowed to talk about a show you don't like and 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 you are welcome to voice your opinion on that. I think that people shouldn't should be able to do that. However, as someone who, who enjoys the show, I want to say this is a load of crap. This is annoying. And, and I feel very, very, very let like a disappointed I'm, I'm disappointed with the decision i i wasted a year that's what it comes down to i've been disappointed by a lot in the cw Arrowverse, and i think that there's been some moves afoot to correct it and i think there's something systemic that is holding it back because somebody with a keen creative mind can come in take the stick on the general storyline for this whole thing and make everything great. Just make it wonderful. Make it the comic bonanza that it was. Chris, do you remember how excited we were going into crisis? I mean, legitimately. I mean, yeah. Do you remember how excited we were? Yeah, I mean, crisis didn't let me... How do I put this best? Crisis suffered from the fact that many other things do, which is it got overhyped in my own mind too much, so it was hard to meet up with those expectations. It wasn't bad. It was it's just difficult to do that. Because it's been done before. The Defenders. Now, you can say what you want about the Netflix Marvel stuff, but the Defenders was actually done pretty well. Crisis, on its whole, was done okay, but we expected a little bit more from that. Anyway, what I'm saying is we were all excited about Crisis previous to Crisis, and that was just seven months ago. A lot has changed since then, though. I mean, Stephen Amell is gone. He's never coming back, he said. And, you know, as hard as he's saying he's never coming back, I don't think he's coming back. And Flash has had their own upheavals. Batwoman's had their own upheavals. They've lost characters from Legends that didn't want to leave. There's a lot of things going on right now. And I'm not, I'm not taking a shot. But as a fan, you look at it and go, what is going on right now? That there's a lot. They need to figure out a way to, I don't know if this is the right term, but we'll go with it, to right the ship with this upcoming season to kind of soothe some of those concerns. Because there are people that were upset that Ray Palmer kind of got forced off the show. And when you listen to Brandon Rouse interviews, it was, I didn't want to leave. They just kind of made it happen. There's a lot of people that are upset that Kate Kane is no longer going to be there. There's a lot of people that are looking at Flash and going, well, what the hell's going on here? They need to course correct. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. These shows have been on the air for eight years at this point in time. If you go back to what Arrow was, 
So yeah, look at it. You trim the fat, you clean things up, you make it run better. But they've they've accomplished something pretty big, which is created their own universe on TV that you could say rivals the MCU to some extent. I mean, scales are different here, but they've done on a small scale what the MCU did. So I think our our big thing on this show should be a prediction on when the first show will be canceled. Now, Arrow ran its course. It had eight seasons. When's the next one going to be canceled? Okay, so here's the thing. I I still think that there was a big mass cancellation headed. I doubted that. I said this a couple of years ago. I'm actually surprised we got Batwoman because I thought there was a big mass cancellation that was going to come forward. When we started to see Batwoman come in and a couple other things here and there, um, I kind of paused on that and I thought, okay, well, I guess we're headed for the next sort of evolution. I think we're headed back to a big mass cancellation. And if the Superman, um, was it Superman and Lois? If that show is a success, I wouldn't be surprised to see everything else canceled and that introduce the next wave somehow. Batwoman's done with this season. That I'm calling it right now because losing your lead actor after one season and trying to pivot who the show's about, that's tough to do. And I don't care how well you do it. There's going to be half the people that are watching that and be like, I don't care about this. I don't care about this new character. And it's tough to recover from. I'm not throwing shade at the writers or the production staff, anything like that. But they got hurt real bad when their lead actor basically said, nah, I'm done. I'm out. And then they have to try and figure out where to go from there. If they hadn't been renewed already because the CW renewed it early, and this is one of the ones that was on the bubble or hadn't been announced yet, I don't know that it would have made it. And uh, one thing you also have to consider right now is pandemic-related kind of things. It's really tough for new shows to get set up do pilots and things like that. The pandemic may actually save some of these shows because there's no pilot season really going on anytime and soon. The, the fronts were in May usually, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the so weird that might keep it alive. The weird thing is, it sounds like the, from what they've said, they're going a whole new person introduced into the leading role rather than, you know, which could be argued that it would be a cop out, but rather than promoting somebody else, which is another weird thing. Like they I, are casting a new character that is not in the comics, is what the implication was. It, it's just odd to me. I I agree with you. Like if I was a betting man, I I would be with you on that, Chris Farrell. Um, as far well, as betting on that. And I think Legends is toast, not because it's not quirky and weird, but more because they're bleeding off the more expensive people. And I'm not sure how you keep one-upping the weirdness each season. Mm-hmm. And even the people that they have bled off that actually has a big following and the changes in the characters that they've done. I just, I, I can't watch it anymore. Personally, I, I just took got, a break after arrow ended. I haven't I, gone back and watched. You made a smart to say, I, I said it was going to, I should have Steven. You're right. I was wrong in, in trying to continue to watch it, but I got sucked in to a few episodes and I was like, okay, like right after crisis, there was a couple of great episodes from like the flash and legends of tomorrow. I thought this is going to be, this is going to work out just fine. And then a couple months later, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And that is even without the shortened seasons that the cliffhangers that were there, it was just, the writing was just just not okay i'm not going to blame the writers the general storyline it needs to coalesce the showrunners need to come together with some sort of a kingpin whether that's berlanti or whoever they need to decide where they're going to go with these shows and then the showrunners need to make sure that the shows stay on that path and that is just not being done for whatever reason i think a lot of this season's goals and scripting and long-term plans got sacrificed to make crisis happen. All I know is that um, I believe that we should set up on the Gonna Geek site, and I can make this happen, a picture of the Justice League table that they they had in crisis, and we should start placing X's over all the different characters that were out there, because I feel like it's not going to be much longer and everybody will be gone. Oh, yeah, I forgot Supergirl's still on. That's right. And that's that'll be delayed, though, coming back. Yeah, that that's true. And it was better this year, but was still not great. Who was on there from from Arrow? Was it um was it the daughter, Mia? No, they just had an open seat for Oliver that was left over. Okay. Yeah. They had nobody Marcus nobody from Arrow. 
They still haven't picked up the Green Arrow and the Canary oh, show they're, either. They're not. Beth Schwartz has moved on to various different things. She was even involved in Space Force. They said it's still on. They said it's still on the table. Nothing's official on it. But my guess <sighs> is the fact that it hasn't been probably means it's not. It's probably on the table because they have nothing else. I don't really want it. By the way, Space Force, I watched it for those interested, and it had a lot of heart. It was mm. one of those shows that <laughs> you could you could like, you could not like. Yeah. It had heart. I think it has potential Space Force. I think they laid a lot of groundwork, much like The Office and other shows that the same showrunner did. The first season is generally not that great, and then it picks up after that. Okay, so was Black Lightning officially canceled, or is it still on? No. No, renewed. It's on. Oh, it was renewed. For some reason, I they thought didn't I heard cancel it any of the superhero they, shows. They, they brought okay. everything back, including that Lo- Superman and Lois show. Okay. And the canceled Swamp Thing is now airing on CW. Okay, so w- so we're, we're just right we're now. down we're down mm-hmm. um, one person then with an empty chair for for the other. So we'll get there eventually. Eventually, we'll clear them all out. I, I don't know. Now, who knows with the ending of Legends of Tomorrow? Maybe Sarah's gone too. I don't know. Anybody hear anything about Katie Lots moving on? No, I I didn't, but I watched it was on YouTube and I forget which it was like Legends of Tomorrow something on YouTube. And I don't know if it was a dedicated YouTube to the show or not, but it was a a promo from all the Arrowverse characters trying to promo the finale episode of Legends of Tomorrow. That was funny. I saw that. Yeah. And everybody was making it up, whatever. Um, The the guy that played Diggle, who is it? Um, David Ramsey. Da- David Ramsey looks totally different now, like yeah. with his hair and he his does. facial hair and yeah. everything. I was like, dude, that's awesome. The Green Lantern just turned out like your grandfather. Like <laughs> they're still talking like there's a Green Lantern show coming HBO Max. And but it's not uh, with Diggle, though. It's I'm not hoping, with David Ramsey. I'm hoping they haven't said one way or another. Yeah, that's true. They have not. Yeah. Yeah. Well. We'll see what happens, but this is an even odder decision now that we've got this. I think we gave the Arrowverse way more time in the discussion than it deserves. <gasps> there you go! I knew we'd get you back, SB, yes! Uh, moving on to the last news point here. Chris Farrell told me a little secret this weekend. He said, Stephen, I have had my weekend made. I saw the most beautiful piece of technology out of this this weekend that I've ever seen in my entire life. It's called the PlayStation 5. Those were his, his words to me. He said those directly, pretty much. Chris, I Farrell, like it. I know. So, Chris, why don't you tell us about why you love the PlayStation 5? <sighs> okay, fine. Whatever. I'll take the setup there. So, the PlayStation 5 event was last week. We got our first look at Sony's next-gen gaming system. And at the very end, we got our first look at what the system appears to be which is a fancy router, which you can compare to the mini fridge that is the Xbox Series X, because both these consoles have very distinctive, very different looks. And just as a quick aside, if you go on Reddit and a few other sites right now, there are folks that have taken the CD drive size and the USB port size to try and estimate what the size of the PS5 is compared to other PlayStation consoles and Xbox consoles. And it looks like the PS5 is going to be a tall console, clocking in somewhere between 14 to 16 inches tall when it's stood upright. And it does have these cool little fins that kind of make it look like a router. That being said, my biggest complaint appearance-wise, which is not what the story is really about, but Steven egged me on into it, is that I don't really want a bright white with blue highlighted console because nothing in my entertainment center is like that. It's just going to sit there and stand out and it's going to oh, annoy the whatever. crap out of me. You don't care what it looks like. No, you just I do care. care. No, you don't. You just yes, care do. what the gameplay is like. Uh, I I call BS on every single person that says, oh, this is terrible. you're still going to buy it. All, all you're still going to play the games and you're still going to go, yeah, this is the best console out there. Oh, hold on. I even said yesterday on ATGN, I just would want one in black if I was going to get it. Because so spray I like paint it. Yes, I'm going to spray paint my X hundred dollar console and void Why the warranty. Why not? People do mods all the time. And void their warranty on brand new hardware. That's a mistake. Well, so don't worry about it until the warranty's off. And then it's you can spray paint an- it whatever color you want. It's going to annoy the shit out of me. It's going to annoy the crap well, good, out of me. Excuse because me. it should annoy you. If, th- if this is your line in the sand, it should annoy the crap out of you. Good. <laughs> Be All you that have to guy do is wait six months, and when they put out a bundled version that comes with some exclusive game, it'll be a different color. That's neither here nor there. I'm just saying, 
Color preference for me, I don't want my console to be bright white and blue. It just annoys me. It stands out. It looks like someone trying to make an Alienware PC that I put in my entertainment center. Kent is saying exactly what I was trying to get in here to say is that pretty sure someone will have vinyl stickers to apply to make it pretty. Good. Then I can put those on if I decide to get it. I still don't know what system I'm getting. The only thing that I was going to say was that um, vinyl stickers or not, it's still going to be ugly. It's a terrible design. It looks horrendous. It's only slightly better than that that really horrible design we saw last year. Right? It was uh, this, this looks awful. It, it looks, you know what it looks like? It looks like like somebody tried to do a modern render of a bat symbol. That's what it looks like. It looks horrible. What? I don't. I don't it like the design look of like either of the new all. consoles. I don't know what you're smoking. No, it's got like it it's got it's got ears, man. It's like oh, I'm a PlayStation Five. <laughs> Steve is a lot more negative than I am. I'm fine with it as long as I can get it in black. It's horrible. You just said you were fine with it. What? <laughs> <laughs> can't say anything nice say anything at all over me before i finish talking about it saying i just wanted it in black or gray it looks weird i don't care as long as it's black or gray do you want to know you're what- still gonna buy it. if it comes with a spider-man game you're gonna buy it i've already said i don't know what next gen console i'm going to decide to buy and i'm in no rush to go and get one oh bs as okay. soon as there's a spider-man game you're gonna buy it. there's already a spider-man game announced for it that comes out at launch and i'm still of the mind Oh, I don't whatever. know what I'm going you to were get. like that with the four until it came out there. You're like, well, I'm going to buy. You got, you got the special right. You, you got the red console, didn't you? Yeah. And I got it two months after the game came out because I found one. Okay. So <laughs> I got to say, I do. I do think white is an odd choice because white on um, Xbox seems to have been very polarizing. Uh, there is a lot of people who hate the white versions because it does show everything. And as someone who has the white um, version and has kids, I can tell you that, yes, it does show everything. However, I just think the shape is weird, especially with the CD drive. Like it's, it's It's just cool. It's so odd to me. And I, I don't know what both of these did this year. I don't know why Microsoft went the way they did and and Sony did the way that they did. I'm just glad that they're both ugly designs. So that way I'm not having to choose based off of design. Nobody's choosing predominantly by design. Let's be honest here. But the reason these look the way they do is this is how they're handling their thermals differently. Like there's big intake fans on the top of that PS5. We're still not sure if you can lay that PS5 vertically or excuse me, horizontally even can't really tell based off the renders you can the xbox series x but they've handled things differently when it comes to ensuring that all of that expensive hardware in there can be cooled appropriately it's just a different train of thought in that regard the ps5 looks fine like i said i just want it in black or gray that's really all i would care for there and really the appearance is minimal it would still just annoy me i don't like the red ps5 ps4 in fact and it's kind of hidden behind stuff i've stacked up on my entertainment center because it annoyed me neither here nor there let's get back to the story i was trying to talk about before we oh, got distracted. Right. you had a story i forgot about that <laughs> go ahead we got too busy arguing and debating but it was fun so they did announce a series of awesome games in this event showed off a bunch of gameplay footage the things that were most interesting to me were the new ratchet and client game where they were literally opening portals between worlds and crossing over into a whole new level design with no load times. And of course, the Spider-Man Miles Morales half-sequel, standalone game. Not exactly sure where they're going. There's been varying things like that. Was announced. All looked cool. But one of the things they did not talk about, same as Microsoft, they have not announced the price of the PS5. There have been multiple placeholders that have popped up on websites. Some said $700. I doubt it's going to be that much. There have been multiple occasions that Sony has suggested the PS5 could be on the expensive side. This is a suggestion that PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan seemed to echo in an interview where he said, well, he does not expect the price by any means. Excuse me. He seemed to echo in an interview. He said, while he does not state the exact price by any means, he frames the conversation in terms of value. Sony is less focused on price and more focused on, quote, getting the right value equation. What exactly this means, I have no idea. Ryan told the BBC, conventional wisdom and history show that our business is one of the more recession-proof businesses, but I think this will sharpen our need to ensure that we focus on getting the value equation right. I emphasize value as opposed to price. They said no other word about what their pricing plan is, anything like that. 
Why is that? If you want my conspiracy theory, not really conspiracy theory, let's just say theory. I think they're waiting for Microsoft to first announce the price of the Xbox Series X to then figure out how they're going to price things. This gets interesting in my mind. Yes, full disclosure, I predominantly game on my Xbox compared to my PlayStation 4, so maybe I'm slightly biased. But why I think this gets interesting is there's been rumors that Microsoft may in fact sell the Series X at a bit of a loss and bank on their subscription services like Xbox Game Pass to make the system profitable in the long term. For those that aren't aware, Game Pass is their subscription service that's effectively 10 bucks a month that's an all-you-can-eat gaming service where they have hundreds of games on there that you just hit a button, it downloads, and you start playing immediately. So they might be banking on that. In addition to that, they also have another service called Xbox All Access Service. And with this, you bundle an Xbox, the physical hardware, Game Pass, and Xbox Live for one monthly subscription fee. That fee varies depending on the kind of hardware you get. And I think it's 40 bucks a month to uh, basically rent to own an Xbox One Series X, and not Series X, X. Wow, the naming convention really is terrible on these. The current version of the Xbox is the most powerful that I'm screwing up the name on. Uh, Game Pass and Xbox Live, I think it's roughly 45 bucks a month until you pay off the Xbox. So they may do something like that with the Series X which makes it very interesting to see how Microsoft's price point may go and influence Sony. My personal thought, I think it's going to be somewhere between four dollars to $500 or the elusive $399 because that sounds better on paper than $400. So that's my guess, the price point. I think anything much higher than that, especially in a period now where in the United States and various other countries, a lot of people aren't working. It's really tough to be like, oh, I've been unemployed, but I'm going to drop my $600 on a PS5 and go and play that. So my theory, $399, maybe $499 if they want to go really crazy on the PS5. But this is just my theory. I have nothing to back it up. It's just a guess. So my question for you guys, what do you think the price is going to be? And if you were going to buy a PS5, at what price point would you bite? Okay, so... I'm actually in a different position now than I was the last time we talked about next-gen consoles because I have Perfect. kids now that actually use them. So um, I would say around that $400 range would probably be what I'd be looking at. However, um, these ideas of a pay-for-it-and-get-the-service as well would be appealing to me and make me willing to go a little bit up because I do pay for the Game Pass. So I pay for Game Pass. And if it's in if it's giving me that baked in value and it's offsetting some of the costs as such, I would be willing to go up a little bit, um, especially if I don't have to pay it all up front. See, I think Sony would be very smart to emulate what they're doing with that Xbox All Access, where it's hardware, both the subscription online services for a flat fee per month until you pay off the console. That's an interesting play. I don't know how many people are actually using that service. Yeah. But it's interesting. But I think for 400 or so, um, I would say that we're probably going to, I think we're going to see a 499 tag. I think that's what we're going to see even with the current climate. US Wouldn't surprise too. me. Yeah. Uh, SP, how about yourself? I'm guessing it's actually going to come out at 499 and for a lot of reasons. They're not going to be able to make a lot of these. Uh, they've already said that. So there's going to be a limited amount of supply out there. The games are all backwards compatible, at least to start. They're going to want to eke out as much as they can. So there'll be a premium on it for a while at 499 How, where would I pop this for? Now I am trying to transition to all 4K. So maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, I don't have, I, I am an Xbox household. I have mostly Xboxes. I have one PS4. I also have a PS3 in the workout room so I can watch Blu-rays and I have a PS3 separate that I use for the outdoor theater for streaming and Blu-rays. And would I, would I, am I driven to get a five right away? No, not right away. Not unless they had some exclusive game that I had time to play for and that I wanted to play for. So I'm thinking I will wait until there's a sale at least $399, probably $299 before I actually buy one of these. So it's going to be a while unless uh, unless the 4K just jumps out at me and says, SP, you need 4K on your 4K TV. I'm in, I'm in the same boat as you, SP. And honestly, my back catalog is so big on other stuff I need to play on my PS4, my Xbox, and my Switch. There's really no compelling reason to be like, oh my gosh, I have to upgrade now. 
yes, PS5 and Xbox One Series X or whatever are backwards compatible. Things would look prettier, but not enough, not prettier enough that I feel like I need to drop four to five hundred dollars to go and make it look better. The only way you might get me considering it close to launch is if they were doing some kind of really good trade-in deal where it's trade in your current gen console and get say half to half I think is still even not going to happen say half off on the console maybe then I'd think about it because if you get the new Xbox why are you going to want your old Xbox same thing PS4 to PS5 the trade-in opportunities could be interesting but I don't think it's going to happen those deals aren't going to be that good GameStop's probably going to be bankrupt by that time they're close now yeah Mm mm-hmm COVID's not been good for them either, especially when it comes to the employees they've made come in too. Uh, I wonder how much cheaper the all digital version is going to be. Probably 50 bucks if I had to guess. That's similar to what Xbox did when they had the Xbox One S and the Xbox One. The only difference was the removal of a, of a Blu-ray drive. I'm not I'd willing to go get the CD then. Yeah, I'm not willing to go discless yet. Here's the although thing. I'm headed that way. For a lot of folks, the PS5 would be their only device that would play 4K Blu-rays. Right. That's the compelling thing there. Similar to when the PS3 came out, it was the first and arguably some of the cheapest devices to play Blu-rays. PS5 and Xbox Series X will play 4K Blu-rays. Well, all the Xboxes that are currently being made play 4K Blu-rays now, but neither here nor there. <laughs> I, I don't have a Blu-ray or a 4K capable uh, player at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's all just... Uh, a uh, regular uh, Blu-ray right now for me. So yeah, that would be a step up because I do have some 4K. Anything that I buy now that's hard copy, I make sure I buy it with the 4K and in the hard copy. And I don't even know why I do that because I'm just stacking stuff in here. Eventually it's all going to be digital anyway. You know, I, I'm in this mode where I'm going through my VHS tapes for the last time. VHS tapes. And we're talking about going all digital. There was a movie that we wanted to watch on the outdoor theater. I know we had the DVD around. It was called The Proposal. I know it's somewhere. We couldn't find it. So I just said, screw it. And I went on Voodoo and I bought it digitally. So, yeah, that's the environment that we're in. Now, is The Proposal something I need 4K for? Heck, no. Yes, Betty White. Thank you very much. There is a great Betty White scene in that movie, too, <laughs> where, where she's dancing with the stripper in there and everything. So, yeah, Betty White was awesome in that movie, but I don't need to see her in 4K for that. No, sure. You it wouldn't do. even be real. It'd just be upscaled 4K, too, because it probably wasn't filmed in anything but maybe 2K if they were lucky. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens here. I think it's going to be an interesting ride over the next little while with the Xbox and the micro or the Xbox and the PlayStation. But that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of the show. Before we go, I'll just take a moment to plug and promote and do whatever we'd like to do. And I'll start off. I will promote Legends of Shield podcast. I know I promoted it last week, but I do want to highlight right now. um, This last episode of Agents of Shield was good. And had it not been for Legends of Shield and the hype around uh, Agents of Shield and just, you know, such a good crew over there. I probably wouldn't have stuck through to episode three and episode three was pretty good. Uh, episode one and two, pretty, pretty, as JS used to say, poo poo. But uh, let's hope for, let's hope four, four uh, matches what three was at and doesn't go back. We got some feedback from multiple listeners that that was their favorite Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show of all time. And I think <laughs> it, a lot of it had to do with the tie in to another series, but it was it was a fun show. It was plain, simple, fun, but the impacts of that will be felt for the rest of the season. There's no way that the impacts coming out of that will not be felt for the rest of the season. So I'm looking forward to the next one this week. And if you guys have any feedback for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., feel free to leave them for me. Twitter, email, StargatePioneer at GuineaGeek.com. You can leave them in Discord. We'll talk about it on the show because we love talking to our listeners about this stuff. What if I have a feedback for you? Can I give you a feedback? You could. Um, we don't have the farm anymore, though. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know what I'd do with it. Okay. Chris, is there anything you would like to plug or promote? <laughs> um... Yeah, don't forget, we do a lot of live streaming here on the Go to Geek Network, so if you want to watch some other 
live content, just head on over to geeks.live. If there's live shows, they'll be playing. Otherwise, scroll down the page a little bit. There is a calendar of all of our upcoming live events that you can go check out. This is Give my scroll, scroll like Steven's showing. Uh, SB, is there anything else that you would like to plug or promote? I would just like to say thank you to everybody that has been listening to this show. And I love talking about the space stuff. I did start a outer space channel on our discord, which you can find at guineageek.com slash discord. So if you're interested in that stuff, go ahead, join the discussion. We've had a lot of banting back and forth about various different things. And also don't forget to rate and review this show because we love seeing those reviews and it makes us think of what we can do better for you in the future. So on that note, for episode 335 of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show, I'm Steven John Drew saying that I think the Official Gunna Geek show will outlive the Arrowverse, but might not see the James Webb go up. MSP, looking forward to that day that the James Webb Space Telescope does indeed launch. And I'm Chris, not as good as trolling as as, uh, one Steven John Drew. Bye. Bye. You're going to love the PS5 on your console. You're going to love it. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.